0: What desert are you in? We've begun our downward valley walk to Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter, where a three day celebration will lead us through our deepest fears and deepest joys. In these early days into Lent, what desert temptations are you dealing with? What wild beasts? circle you? What hunger is making you painfully hollow and famished, turning your stomach, making it hard for you to sleep? What are you parched for? What issue are you tempted to fix by taking matters into your own hands? Or what do you desperately wish that you could fix, if you could? Welcome to Lent. We begin by acknowledging that we have been on this journey not just since Ash Wednesday, but from the beginning of being human. Our pain and struggle to live with all joy are part of a long pattern of disobedience since our time in the garden. The beginning story of Adam and Eve might seem like a primitive mythological origin story from one point of view, casting our creator as the clay shaper and rib taker. But the theological and psychological insights in our Adam and Eve story are quite advanced. The Hebrew writers knew that we are responsible for our lives. Paul in Romans today taking our origin story and using Adam as the archetypal first human for us the every man or every woman calls our fall transgression calls our fall from grace disobedience and sin. The advanced insight that both Genesis and the letter to the Romans emphasizes is that we begin to grow into God's plan for us, begin the royal road to salvation and health when we take responsibility for our own actions and choices. This is called owning or naming our sin or owning and naming the sins around us. I'm not sure actually which is harder, though, taking responsibility for my own sins or for the sins of others that have caused me hurt and caused me grief in my life. (laughs) But the good news is, of course, that Jesus says both of these are connected. Our forgiveness is intimately tied up with also forgiving others. The good news today for our Lenten journey and for the rest of our lives is that we are called not to do it alone or by our own hand. After all, that was what exactly what got us into trouble in the first place in the garden. Most of us try to satisfy our hungers and solve our problems on our own terms or with our own hands. Or... By manipulating others' hands to do it for us. Once we acknowledge that we were put into the garden in pairs, planted together as people, two or three gathered in God's name, responsible to and for one another as God's beloved children, then we are prepared for the one who is coming to meet us, the new Adam the new human. Jesus comes to us, though, not just as the new Adam coming to the garden. He meets us in exactly the opposite place, the desert of our own making, where hope is very often hard to find. What desert are you in? What mirage has disappointed you and left you tempted to the point of desperation? You are not here alone. Many of you know that I was brought up in the Religious Society of Friends, the Quakers, and one of my heroes is that 17th century founder of Quakerism, George Fox. He wrote a journal about his life, a diary about his coming to understand the movement and quickening of the spirit. But before he did so, before he came to Jesus, as it were, he spent many time talking to others, trying to figure out who could understand him best. His soul was in torment. His country of England at the time was also in deep anxiety. And here he was looking for an answer to his spiritual, emotional desert. As a young man myself, reading George Fox's journal, I came across a phrase that rang as true for me as I believe it did for George Fox when he heard it 300 years earlier. George said that there he was, walking through the English countryside, mulling it over in his mind, meditating, when the voice, the voice came to him and said, there is one, Jesus Christ, who can speak to thy condition. And that was it. And I read it loud and clear, which is why I trust George's writing of it as the voice, because it still rang true to me then as it does today. There is one Jesus Christ who can speak to thy desert. Jesus Christ did experience temptation as we did. Yes, That's what we say, and that's what we believe, and that's what we teach. And yet he did so not giving in to sin, and that's great. But more so, he is, as classical writings tell us, the son of man, or as I like to describe, the sum of man, the fullness of humanity, our being fully human in him, the new human the one that God intended for us to look like. And as we are attached to him, our desert will spring in places into that garden. The devil tempts him with ministering angels and says, all you need do is this, and God has promised angels will come to you. And Jesus says, yes, but God doesn't ask us to prove it he tells us that's putting God to the test. That's not trust. Trust is not the same thing as test. And after the devil fled, having no more recourse to challenge Jesus with, Matthew's Gospel tells us today that indeed parts of that desert sprang up in garden as the angels did come as promised to minister to Jesus and will do so with us as well. But we must not attempt by our own hand and to go it alone, but to be his new humanity, attaching ourselves to Christ even as we were attached to him in baptism, walking this way in our desert in temptation, resisting through his might of saying no, through his power of casting the devil behind him. Then and then, your desert shall bloom.